is Wednesday, January 31st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The countdown continues. And an upset in the top five. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The number three North Carolina Tar Heels upset by Georgia Tech. Joel Embiid does play, aiming to have enough games to be the MVP again. And we've got some, uh, some obviously some Super Bowl talk, including a guest today. Look at us and some coaching news as well in the NFL. The NFL is going to be the Vegas lead, Scott. And let's start with what's the what's the latest goings on with the Super Bowl. Well, the current odds as of this morning: San Francisco, a two point favorite. It is slightly juiced at minus one twelve. And the over is slightly juiced as well at 47 minus 112. Those odds courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, We'll talk to Alex Gold from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City coming up in just a few minutes. But yesterday, AJ, we started our prop a day. And what we're going to do as we lead up through to the Super Bowl is we're going to go over one prop it could be a regular game prop could be a novelty prop maybe one of those offshore only props but we're going to do one prop a day every day leading up to the super bowl now yesterday's prop saw some massive line movements today man right? did it and I, I like to think it's because our listeners are like they believe in us scott and they were like you know what that is a great bet uh, the sh- the shortest touchdown drive or long or yeah shortest touchdown drive of the game over under 55 and a half seconds uh, yesterday morning. You could get that at minus 115 either way over under the over. Yeah, we and we and we were talking about the over. Yeah, yes. it's like only two touchdown drives throughout the playoffs were shorter than 55 and a half seconds. One of them was by like three seconds. So I said, you know what? The over's the right side here. And sure enough, go and check that now. The over 55 and a half. Minus 230 went from minus 115 when we recorded yesterday morning show to minus 230 right now. A massive, massive jump. Well, uh, good for anybody, I guess, closing line value that got the bet in yesterday when we gave it out. Uh, but bad for anybody that wants to look at it right now. But let's see what we can dig up here for our prop of the day today. And here's what I'm thinking. Up on the DraftKings Sportsbook, they have under the Game Props tab, you can look at uh, either team to score 30-plus points. The yes is plus 110. The no is minus 145. Now, in my estimation, AJ, I think the no should be much more heavily juiced than minus 145. I agree. I know, I know that six of the last 10 Super Bowls have seen a team score 30 points. And in fact, when these two teams played in Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs scored 31 points. But if you look at both of these defenses this season, the Chiefs had the number two ranked defense in the NFL in opponents' points per game at 16.8 points per game allowed. The 49ers 
had the third-ranked defense in the NFL in terms of points per game at 18.4. Now, I don't know about you math majors out there, but 30 seems to be far off from 16 and 18. I think minus 145 is a great deal here. I do as well, but I mean, let's let's keep in mind the 49ers just gave up 31 to the Lions, but I, I think opponent matters, and... I can't – in my mind, the only team in this scenario, in this Super Bowl, and maybe I'm biased because as of now at least, I mean, we're, what, 13 days away, 12 days away, so I've got some time. I'm leaning to the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. The only team I could see getting to 30 points is San Francisco. They're the only offense that I trust uh, in this game, and I don't think they do that against this Kansas City defense. I, I think this defense is just too strong. I think back – to that Ravens game where the Ravens uh, just shut down this offense completely. I was, I mean, now the Ravens are the best defense in the league, but it, it, the chiefs aren't far off of that. And that was in San Francisco. That was in their building. So I, I feel like this is the, you know, the kind of defense that can give them some troubles uh, getting to 30 just seems like a bit of a long shot to me. So I, I'm going to say that, that, and let's just face it, what the, you know, the last couple of weeks, this has been an offense that has been good, not great. They they only remember they only put up twenty four points against the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers were a team that you know everybody thought was just total garbage. They only put up twenty seven at Washington, who was one of the worst defenses in the league at the end of the season. And then, like I said, that nineteen point showing. Um, I I feel like thirty is a big number, and in a game where both coaches are going to uh you know this is this is the pinnacle this is what these guys play all season for nobody's going to do anything silly nobody's going to make any uh, hopefully nobody's going to make any dumb mistakes but uh but yeah i I think the unders the the or the the under 30 is the right way to go let's uh trivia time okay all right tell me how many games this season involving the kansas city chiefs okay how many chiefs games this season did a team score 30 or more points. Ooh. Okay. Including including playoffs. Including playoffs. Um the did the I'm trying to think. The the Bills didn't score 30. I'm going to say none in the postseason. So let's get that out of the way. Um, Correct. None in the postseason, but we've had 20 Chiefs games this season, regular season and postseason. How many times did a team score 30 points? And I'll give you a clue. Zero Kansas City Chiefs opponents scored thirty points. Okay, I they scored. So how they, many times did the Chiefs score thirty points? I can think of a couple. Uh, I I don't know that I'm going to get them all. One is going to be the Raiders game that was at Oakland or at at Vegas. Sorry, uh, the game here they they put up thirty points. I don't remember exactly the number, but yeah, I know thirty thirty one seventeen. Oh, thirty one seventeen. I thought it was a bigger number than that. I felt confident that that was like a big blowout game. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. They blew out at least once. That was a 31-17 game. Yep. Hmm. So, so far, that is two games which the Chiefs scored 31 points against the Raiders and against the Chargers. I'm going to guess there was there's, one other game. There there's one, one other, other one? game. It was the blowout of is it? It was the blowout of the Bears in week oh, three. Okay. Yep. I was going to ask if it was they an won, NFC they team. They won 41 okay. to 10. Yeah. That's it? That's three? So, that that's it. Oh, yeah. That's it. 41-10, That is the only three times this season the Kansas City Chiefs have scored 30 points, 
and zero times the Kansas City Chiefs have allowed 30 points. Man, that's impressive. This number, this number being minus 145, to me, is a joke. I mean, obviously, it's it's all about, like, the 49ers offense because we know they average over 28 points per game. There's been plenty of times where the 49ers have scored uh, 30 points. They scored – they had a streak – of one, two, three, four, five straight games to start the year where they scored at least 30 points. And then then they had another run of one, two, three, four, four out of six games where they scored at least 30 points. So they've gone on runs this year. We know their offense is capable of it, but I don't think we're going to see it against this Chiefs defense. No, I don't either. And and, uh, thinking back to the Chiefs season, like this is a team that played Buffalo twice. They played the Dolphins um they they played they played the Packers they played the Lions like they played some pretty damn good offense they played just they played the Chargers with a healthy Justin Herbert so the fact that nobody got to 30 I think this is a good prop I think this they is played a, the Eagles yeah yeah and oh I forgot they played the Dolphins twice and they played the Ravens yeah I'm gonna say this is a this is a good prop this is a team that's already seen some of the uh, those those are all top 10 offenses in the league I get San Francisco's the elite of the elite but uh, no, I, I think this Kansas City, uh, I think this Chiefs defense is legit, man. So I, I think they hold them to a, 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 this. This game feels like it's going to be a if anybody gets to 30, it's a lock that they've won the Super Bowl, in my opinion. All right. So prop of the day for this Wednesday, January 31st, any team to score 30 plus points. No minus 145 up on the DraftKings Sportsbook. To help us break down more of the Kansas City Chiefs as they gear up for Super Bowl 58, we welcome in Alex Gold from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. This is a, a, a throwback for me. I worked with this guy uh, back in the day in, in when he was doing national stuff. Uh, but Alex Gold joins us on the program. Alex, how are you, man? What's up? Yeah, it's been a little while. Definitely the uh, the, the Houston days, the, uh, the the national radio days down there. But it's been great to be back in KC. We're a little spoiled now, AJ. A little spoiled in KC, that's for sure. Just you know, yearly routine of going to Super Bowls these days. Yeah, this was. I, I feel like you left uh, you left the national gig to to go work in Kansas City. It seems like you picked the right time to do it uh, as Kansas City started this this wild run. To, I, I guess talk about I. I what I'm really interested in is the expectations coming into these playoffs. Like I think every year going into the playoff or going into the season, you feel like, well, the chiefs have a good chance. The chiefs have a good chance. Would you say this year coming into the playoffs, it felt like maybe the chiefs were not as super bowl ready as in the prior years. I, I like, I felt like this was the weakest Kansas city has been coming into the playoffs in the Mahomes era. Is that the vibe that, that you got and that, that Kansas city fans had as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you go beginning of a season, it's always Super Bowl or bust, as you were saying. But based off of how Christmas Day went against the Raiders, I mean, that was not that long ago. That was just over a month ago. And this team hit rock bottom. You know, that was the worst game, maybe other than Mahomes against the Bucks in the Super Bowl, where the O-line was a disaster a couple years ago. That, that seemed like rock bottom. And at that point, you know, you're dealing with penalties, you're dealing with the turnovers, you're dealing with the drops. That was the story of the entire season. And so I think the expectation for a lot of Chiefs fans was, all right, they might be able to win a wild card game. You know, they're going to be at home still, win a wild card game, and then looking at the path and whether they have to go to Baltimore if they get past Buffalo. But before that, you have to go to Buffalo. So I think Chiefs fans would probably be lying to you if now they were telling you the whole time they thought this team was still going to end up in the Super Bowl. I think when it changed, AJ, uh, was once they uh, seemed to figure some things out 
um, against the Buffalo Bills. I think a lot of Chiefs fans actually did believe they were going to go to Baltimore and win after how good the team had looked for two straight weeks. You know, it was the offensive line was much, much better. And I feel like that's what gave a lot of people faith that, you know, they can go to Baltimore and get the win. So the surprise was the Buffalo one, but not the not the Baltimore one. When you when you look at that that Buffalo game and and even the Miami game before it, my thought was maybe, man, maybe this team from an offensive standpoint looks good because Miami's defense was decimated by injuries. Buffalo's defense was decimated by injuries. And then in the Baltimore game, I mean, it the the offense didn't necessarily go off, but it did enough. Like it, where, what are what's your thoughts? What's the general mindset on where the offense is today? relative to the last several years. So I think they finally recognize who they need to be in 2023, now 2024, because yeah, they're not the same offense of 2020 or one, 22, 23 either, you know, where they were a top tier offense. And I feel like the first 14 or 15 weeks of this season, they still thought they were right. They were trying to make Kadarius Tony, somebody that he's just not, they were trying to still make sky Moore into a number two wide receiver, right? That's what we all thought heading into the season. Even I think outside of KC, everybody's expecting big things from Sky Moore. The development just flat out didn't happen. So I think, you know, there was still the thought that they could fix it, maybe a little arrogance from the coaching staff at times that they would just figure it out. And then the, the, the thing changed really against Cincinnati. You know, everything changed against Cincinnati, I believe. They realized, all right, focus in on Rice, Kelsey, and Pacheco. And just lean into that. And so to, to your question about, you know, how they have been looking. It's not like they're scoring 30 points a game again suddenly, but they recognize they got the best defense maybe in football. So lean into that a little bit, right? You got a really good interior offensive line, lean it into that. And so Isaiah Pacheco's workload, I'm sure you guys have paid attention to this, looking at some of the, the rush attempts for him. I mean, the guy's got more carries the last three weeks than he's had in any stretch of his career, 24 carries twice. And then he had 15 against Buffalo, but that's because they, they were doubled up in plays. Otherwise he probably ends up getting another 24 carries in that game. I mean, so he's on a ridiculous stretch. They're leaning into that. And then, as I mentioned, they're just not making the same mistakes. You know, whether it was the drops from Canarius, Tony, whether it was the turnovers or anytime they finally got in the red zone, you know, it was their right tackle, Juwan Taylor, who's been the most penalized player in football over the last four years coming up with mistakes. And so they've really cut those mistakes out more than it is that they're just airing it out suddenly. It's just they, they've figured some things out and cleaned a lot of things up. Well, I think we all acknowledge that this is a completely different Chiefs team than from what we've seen in the past. You mentioned a top-tier defense. It's not – there's no uh, Tyreek Hill taking the top off. They're not really – they don't have a lot of explosive plays. Kelsey was – you know, a no-show for at times during the season. But when you look at where they are now and you look at the progression throughout the season, is this the most impressive coaching job for Andy Reid as Chiefs head coach during this run? It's a great question. You know, I think this is where this week already Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinators, got a lot of, of the love. You know, there's a lot of criticism on Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, during the season. There's a lot of people, believe it or not, it might sound crazy outside of KC, but there were people wanting Eric Bieniemy back as the offensive coordinator. Uh, that, that's how ugly it got at, at times compared to where they had been and wondering Matt Nagy was to blame for the offensive struggles. But you said it, it really does come down to Andy Reid. This is his offense the same way that Eric Bieniemy never really got credit because Andy Reid was calling the plays. Uh, it's the, the criticism towards Matt Nagy never made a whole lot of sense. So I think it's been impressive for Andy, but if you want to know the truth, to me the best coaching job in KC this year has been on the defensive side. It's been, it's been Steve Spagnuolo who – you know, I'm surprised never got another look to be a head coach. I know it didn't go well in, in St. Louis, but 
I think he's the best defensive coordinator in football easily at this point. I don't know how he wasn't a uh, assistant coach of the year uh, finalist. I believe there were three or four other assistant coaches that were finalists, and he wasn't. Uh, this defense has been sensational, and he's got a lot of young players, and nobody's been better at shutting down some of these top-tier quarterbacks over the years. I mean, we could go back to the you know Tom Brady, what he was able to do against Tom Brady when he was a coordinator, and now we've seen him do it to Lamar Jackson a couple times. We've seen him do it uh, to uh, to Josh Allen as well. So I, I know you're asked about Andy Reid, but I actually think the best coaching job by far has been with Steve Spagnuolo this year. Alex Gold from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City joins us here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Alex, talk about uh, Charles Aminahu and what what that injury means to Kansas City. Um, seems like he was really kind of finding a rhythm. And I, I mean, obviously, this is a guy who played for the 49ers, knows a lot of those guys on the other side of the ball. I know this would have been a big game for him. But what's his injury? What's the, the immediate impact for Kansas City's defense? Yeah, he's probably a guy that didn't get enough love, frankly, uh, on the back half of the season. We know he missed the first six weeks due to a suspension, and then he, he turned it on uh, immediately, and he's been stellar. You know, the 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 performance that that he had this past game gets more attention because you get the strip sack and all that, but he, he's been pretty dominant at times throughout the back end of the season, and Chris Jones has freed some things up for some of the other guys, but now all of a sudden, you know, they had Chris Jones and Amenahue, and that's why George Karloftis, one of their other defensive linemen, really turned it on the second-year man so without Charles Amenahue, I think it's even more attention than you've already seen on Chris Jones. And so you're really asking George Karloftis and maybe the Chiefs first round pick to, to step in. And that's been a story here. Felix Anudike Uzama, who they picked at 31 and has barely been active this year. You know, he's a very young player, a developmental project where normally you don't want to take someone in the first round that's not getting any playing time. It's been you know, something that fans have been critical of this year. But when you see the results on defense, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to be too critical based off of their playing the veterans that were impactful. But losing Charles Amenehu, no doubt is a loss. You know, I think if there was only a week in between games, AJ, it would be a probably a bigger problem. You know, how do you find out the, the split time? Turk Warden, Malik Herring, Mike Dana, these are the other players that are going to have to get some of those snaps along with Felix and Udike Uzama. If it was one week, I'd be a little more concerned. Two weeks for Steve Spagnuolo to, to scheme something up against Brock Purdy. I think that's why you feel a little bit better about the situation. But it is going to require, you know, one of the three names I mentioned, uh, sharing some time. Specifically, I actually think Turk Warden, who's a uh, you know, kid who's been in the league just for a couple of years, played football at Missouri Science and Technology. I mean, he's not a big name by any means, but uh, he, he's, put, he's put together a couple nice games for them in the past. What, if anything, Alex, can the Chiefs and Chiefs fans take away from the Super Bowl previously against the 49ers, Super Bowl 54, and the game that they played just uh, two seasons ago where the Chiefs won big? Yeah, Chris McCaffrey's first game, right? I think yeah. Chris McCaffrey had just gotten traded uh, from Carolina, and so he wasn't full go. I think the Chiefs might have might have caught a little bit of a break that it wasn't full full go for Chris McCaffrey. I know they blew him out. That was just one of the you know very impressive wins. Going back to... Uh, the the 2019-2020 Super Bowl. There's a lot of familiar faces on, you know, the star power, George Kittle, and, and talking about Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo. But the quarterback is the biggest switch here. You know, I I think Brock Purdy is is certainly better than Jimmy Garoppolo, even if they're asking him in some ways to to kind of manage the offense uh, the way they did in, in the past. I really don't know how much you can necessarily take away from that game, other than you wonder. You know, look, this is the Super Bowl. Both teams are clearly motivated, but the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, they probably felt like they let that one get away. They had that lead going into the fourth quarter, and it was Patch Mahomes' jet chip wasp, the famous play now in Chiefs history, that uh, deep pass to Tyree Kill 
um, is a play that everybody will remember here, and that really changed everything in that particular game. I just think the Chiefs defensively are a much better team than they were at that point in time. You know, Steve Spagnuolo got them to a point where they were manageable, you know, a middle-tier defense, but it was, you know, the offense was going to have to win them that game. But as you guys asked me about uh, a little earlier, I mean, this go-around, I I don't think the Chiefs are are needing to score 30 points against the 49ers to win. In fact, I think they would love this game to be another 21-24 you know, something like that type of game based off of the way their defense has been playing. Travis Kelsey's been uh, obviously in the the media quite a bit this season, but a lot, I mean, let's face it, up until the last couple weeks, it seemed like his play had been slipping. Like what percentage of, let's just say last year's Travis Kelsey, do you think this year's version is? Like, is he playing at like 80% of, of what, like vintage Travis Kelsey? Where do you think he's at right now? Well, I think for much of the season, that's probably right. 75 to 80% of, you know, the future Hall of Famer. He still ended up only 16 yards short of 1,000. So it has been interesting to see how everybody's talked about Kelsey. Clearly, he didn't look the same, but he still had an unbelievable season. But now the way he's playing, again, in the postseason, this is 100%, right? This is 100% Travis Kelsey that we all got used to seeing uh, for many years. The reason why he's going to end up going down, I, I believe, easily as the greatest tight end in NFL history. So I really think week 18 was the key for him. He did. He decided not to go for what was it? His eighth straight thousand yard season. He sat out week 18. And I think that's going to be the best decision he ever made, you know, kind of step back. Uh, you don't get the glory of that thousand yards there, but now you're making up for it in the postseason. And I, I believe he tried to prove a lot of people wrong. You said it, there's a lot of noise, whether it was on the field or off the field this year, a lot of hate towards him with all the Taylor Swift stuff going on. And so I think he was extremely motivated this postseason to prove a lot of people wrong. I mean, there's you know, people calling him washed and, you know, this is how he's going to go out, and which was, was laughable at the time. Um, and now, I mean, the game he just had against – Baltimore is as good as it gets let's talk about Joe Tooney for a second like is the expectation that he's he's going to remain out for the Super Bowl I I actually thought they played really well up front without him this was a team that the Chiefs and you know better than I do but seemed like they had some issues with pass protection on the on the tackles but he's so good on the interior that he made up for a lot of that I I thought maybe man this Ravens team that's going to be able to get pressure from the outside and can can play man defense on the back end I thought the Ravens would really give that O-line some problems Chiefs offensive line held up really well without him without who I would say is their best offensive lineman What's the expectation for his availability come uh, two Sundays from now? Yeah, so there was a there was a video of him in the locker room, and he had a, his shirt off, and the the, the pack the, the pack looked gnarly, man. I'll be yeah. honest. I know I know you used to fight. It was pretty gnarly looking. There's been conflicting reports on exactly even reports that some doctors haven't fully agreed on what it you know what it fully is and his prognosis going forward. At this point in time, as we talk, you know, week and a half plus out or whatever. Uh, from from the Super Bowl, I, I would say it's still very unlikely that he actually plays in this game. You know, Andy Reid was asked, is it a pain thing or is it a functionality thing? This was last week. He said, it's not a pain, you know, deal. And Joe Tooney's played games with broken hands. I mean, the guy is a warrior out there. I'm mean, an Iron Man, but uh, I think it's just the functionality of him actually being able to go and play in a football game. And based off of how Nick Allegretti, who's the, the left guard that filled in, played, you know, I think there's definitely more confidence in both the team and and from fans going into this game that he can step in because, you know, Allegretti wasn't just some rookie off the street that stepped up. Yeah, no, he's not an all, an all pro, but he built the system for five years. He actually played in the Super Bowl against the against the Bucs when everything went bad, but still he got Super Bowl experience before. So I think they're confident with him. And, and I'm like you, though, I, I, I thought that was going to be a problem spot. You know, I thought Matabuke was going to be able to just eat. He ends up just getting the one sack 
And that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just so good at avoiding sacks to begin with. Um, so if the O-line continues to play like they have throughout the playoffs, that includes the tackles you brought up, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith. If they're playing at that level, I mean, I do think the Chiefs were talking about going on and winning another Super Bowl because if you're not getting to Patrick Mahomes, I just think as we've seen, he's able to carve you up. So let's talk about the other team here for a second, San Francisco 49ers, who for most of the season were looked at as just an absolute force. And uh, they had that three-game stretch where you, you had Debo Samuel injured, you had uh, you had the, some offensive line injuries, then they got healthy again and looked like a juggernaut once again. That hasn't necessarily been the case in these playoffs. They've kind of uh, snuck by uh, in both games. They kind of snuck by. And you can argue the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs snuck by a, a couple games, these last two games as well, but it's against much better competition, I think. I mean, most people looked at the the Bills and Ravens along with these 49ers as the, the three best teams going into these uh, into these playoffs, and the Chiefs have already vanquished two of them. What are the thoughts on what version of the 49ers you'll get here? Uh, and and obviously, you know, with Kyle Shanahan being a guy who right now, what he's most known for is a playoff failure, a Super Bowl failure as an OC. Like what kind of uh, what kind of expectations do you have for how uh, the coaching matchup works out as well? So I actually think Kyle Shanahan's in the same spot that Andy Reid was prior to his ring. You know, I, I don't know if you agree, but you think about his career and some of the failures, yes, in the postseason. We all know I think Kyle Shanahan's a heck of a coach, and, and he, you know, he, he might be even a top five coach, I believe, in this league, with, despite not having a ring. And that's probably where Andy Reid was at. And then once he got the ring, everything changed for him. I feel like that's what Kyle Shanahan is waiting for. And you give him two weeks, so there, there'll be some, some things that the Chiefs haven't seen on film, no question about that. I, I still wonder, though, uh, the first half performances have to scare you if you're a Niners fan looking at this team. I mean, this has not been a, a team that's looked good at all in the first half. And if you get behind, not even 17, but if you're down 7 or 10 to the Chiefs at halftime, which has been the trend right now for the 49ers, if not worse, um, the Chiefs to me are not a team you're coming back on the way you just came back and scored 27 unanswered uh, against the Lions. And so I, I think that is a, a situation the Niners cannot find themselves in. I, I do wonder what player... Does Kyle Shanahan try to scheme up that that isn't Debo or Brandon Ayuk, right? And, of course, Christian McCaffrey's there because we've seen the Chiefs against number one wide receivers this year give up nothing. Legereus Sneed, underrated corner. I think he's probably getting his props now after that big punch out on the fumble of Zay Flowers at the goal line. But, I mean, whether it was Stephon Diggs, whether it was Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown – they held all those number one wide receivers in check, and that's because of Legereus Sneed. So, you know, do they put Legereus Sneed uh, on Brandon Ayuk in this game? Um, my guess is that's what that likely happens, and then we'll see how they operate from there. I think the, the key is going to be Christian McCaffrey, honestly. I mean, can Kansas City stop the run, and is Kyle Shanahan willing to stick with it? Because that's the one thing I haven't understood about the last two games against the Chiefs, honestly, AJ, both Buffalo uh, and Baltimore. Like not running the ball enough. Six carries for the running backs if you're Baltimore. I felt like the Bills got away from the run in the second half as well. We all know they took some shots deep, and, and ultimately I think that's what cost Buffalo late in that game. Is Kyle Shanahan willing to stick with the run? They did it in the second half against Detroit, and that paid off in a huge way with Christian McCaffrey. But are they willing to do that? Because the last two opponents for Kansas City just have not been able to. And I think the Chiefs would love for Brock Purdy to try to win the game. Uh, and the Chiefs would probably feel pretty good if that's how it comes down. Is there a uh, is there a prop you've looked at so far that's one of your favorites uh, regarding Kansas City players? Is there a guy you expect to have a big game? So I'll go back to the running 
attack for Kansas City. Isaiah Pacheco, I looked at 16 and a half as the rushing attempt over under. Now it's, it's, it's heavily juiced right now, but there's some alt lines where I think you can get, you know, 20 plus carries at plus money for Isaiah Pacheco. You know, 24 carries this past week, had 15 the week before, but they were doubled up in plays by Buffalo. And, and then the week prior against Miami, 24 carries. I just think this team since the Cincinnati game in week 17 has leaned way more into Pacheco and his rushing style, which I think everybody appreciates just how hard the guy runs, and he'll run right through you. So I, that's one that I've definitely uh, already taken a look at. Um, and outside of that, the way Kelsey is playing, I know it seems obvious, and you know, you're know you not going to get great value on any Kelsey bet probably for, for this game, but he is back to playing like the Travis Kelsey everybody expects. So you know, I, I still would feel pretty comfortable uh, betting a couple of Kelsey props, including uh, uh, an over on the receiving yards. That's Alex Gold. You can hear him on 610 Sports Kansas City, Cody and Gold Show, and that betting show. Uh, Alex, you can follow him on Twitter or X at Alex Gold. One last question before we let you go, Alex. This is a big one. The prop, will Taylor make it to the game for kickoff? That's the big question everybody wants to know. Will, will Taylor be there in time to see this thing get kicked off? I have done way too much digging and research on her concert schedule. I've, I've almost memorized a lot of it. It's disgusting <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah, she's going to be there, AJ. It's possible when you got that private jet and the time zone differences, she'll have like 20-plus hours or so to spare. So she'll absolutely make it. So Usher thought he was going to be maybe the biggest celebrity or musician in the house at halftime. No, 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 no. no it's going to be Taylor Swift. All right, Alex, appreciate the time, man. We will, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Uh, as we wrap up this uh, football conversation, let's talk about some of the coaching news where some OCs are staying where they are. Bobby Slowick is staying with the Texans. Ben Johnson staying with the Lions. AJ. Yeah, and, and the Ben Johnson one kind of uh, sent ripples because it seemed like he was the guy for the Washington Commanders. He decides to stay with the Lions. Uh, huge news for Detroit. And to me, that really leaves two serious candidates for the two openings that leaves Mike Vrabel and that leaves McDonald in, in uh, Baltimore, like as the, the two guys who I would, I would picture being the most desirable coaching candidates, uh, non Belichick category. And we've discussed already on mm -hmm. this show about the, the uh, difficulties that come with Bill Belichick. But I mean, it, it felt like Ben Johnson was almost guaranteed one of those two jobs and he essentially, from what I read today or yesterday, he he essentially told the the commanders to turn around your airplane. Uh, like they were coming out to get him, and he was like, "No, change my mind. I'm staying." And that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for, uh, and it's a risky move because, you know, if the Lions' offense isn't what it was, if if it's not the same next year, maybe some some you know some gleam comes off that guy. And when you're talking about a guy like Jared Goff, like. How many times is Jared Goff going to be this good? I don't know, uh, but it, it's a it's an interesting move. I mean, this is this. It seems like it was his opportunity to get that job. I'm not saying he's making a mistake here, but Washington is a team that has a high draft pick. They've got new ownership. It's sudden. It's a lot more appealing job now than it was five years ago. I'll say that. Elsewhere, a an OC hire as the Steelers are hiring former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith as their OC, so if you were frustrated by which running back to play in fantasy, Jalen Warren or uh, Najee Harris, get ready for more confusion <laughs> with Arthur Smith calling the plays. Yeah, and listen, you and I both talked about this. Arthur Smith, like, I mean, Arthur Smith as an OC has been a massive success in the NFL, just was not a good yes. coach. I don't think this is a bad hire. I mean, I think 
the bar that was set to upgrade from Matt Canada was pretty low. But I'm going to say that this is an upgrade. I, I think Arthur Smith, as long as he's not making final decisions, um, this is a good get for the Steelers and and a team that, let's face it, is is not very good on offense. He'll be asked to fix it, and you know I I, I think if he's I'm not sure where what Kenny Pickett is. I'm not sure what the uh, what the the long term answer at quarterback is for the Steelers. But they've got some nice pieces, and I, I think he'll be able to get something out of those guys. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try. If you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this, it's all online, it's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Joel Embiid wound up playing last night as the Sixers fell to the Warriors 119-107 Embiid in 30 minutes. Uh, scored 14 points. He was a minus 21. Steph Curry with the big night, 37 points for Curry on 8 of 13 from three-point range. He's going to be taking on Sabrina Ionescu in a three-point <laughs> shootout during the All-Star festivities. So it's the first time a WNBA player and an NBA player are going head-to-head in, in the All-Star thing. We'll talk about that as that event gets closer. But for Embiid, I found this interesting, uh, and I'll give credit where credit's due, Brandon Anderson. Uh, had tweeted this out um, earlier yesterday when Embiid was questionable and was going to be a game-time decision for last night's game. He uh, detailed that Embiid has played in only 73% of the Sixers' games this year, and he needs to play in 86% of all their remaining games in order to be eligible for postseason awards. Had he Mm. missed last night's game, 
If he missed last night's game, it would have dropped him below 70%, and he would have needed to play 92% of the remaining games for the Sixers in order to be eligible for the award. So we talk about, you know, the, the MVP, and we talk about the stats and all the numbers, but if you don't play enough games, you're not eligible to win the award. And there was a time where we were saying Embiid is a lock or Embiid should be the favorite. Looking up on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now, Embiid is the fourth favorite at plus 800. Well, he played this game last night that he apparently had to play in, went 5 of 18 from the field, eight turnovers, and fouled out of the game. I'm going to say, like, he might have been better off sitting this one out. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) You got to weigh it out. Like, I I know you got to play in a certain amount of games, but it certainly didn't help an MVP case. And I don't know. In my mind, Joel Embiid, like, once you win an MVP, and he did win the MVP last season, the priority should be winning a championship, which Joel Embiid has not done. And if that means not winning the MVP and and getting yourself healthy enough to be ready to go in the postseason – then so be it. Mm-hmm. Fair uh, but uh, like playing these, playing a, the way he played last night, the, I mean, quite honestly, the Sixers would have been better off with him not playing. It was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. This was a, a game where the Sixers had 16 turnovers and he had half of them. He, he was minus 21 for the night on a plus minus. It's, it's just not, not good enough. Uh, and it just didn't seem like he was there. didn't seem like he was involved. So I, I'm going to say, like, it, it might be time to give up this MVP candidacy, uh, especially with guys like Luca doing what he's doing, although we'll talk about him not playing a game uh, here coming up. And, you know, Jokic obviously is is about as, you know, every day of a guy as you can get. Uh, I, I don't think the MVP is in the cards for, for Embiid, uh, but it doesn't mean that the Sixers – aren't legit the Sixers can have a they can have a run in the postseason they just need a healthy Embiid to do it Uh, that's where his priority needs to be elsewhere last night the Knicks playing without OG Ananobi and without Julius uh, Randle Julius Randle beat the Jazz 118-103. Dante DiVincenzo drains a career-high nine three-pointers. He scores 33 points. Jalen Brunson had 29. The Knicks are now 31-17. And they're they're the three-seed now in the Eastern Conference. They've won eight straight games. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. And I'm not, I'm not being a homer here, no, AJ. I think the Nick. I think the Knicks are contenders. I yeah, think the Knicks could. I think the Knicks could make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, it does feel like a, a tough mountain to climb in the Eastern Conference. I mean, the the two giants at the top of the mountain seem like, uh, like they're going to be tough to knock off. And I, I think maybe that's what Milwaukee saw was like, hey, it's not going to be easy. We need to prep ourselves for for a battle here. Uh, but the Knicks are cert- they've certainly moved themselves into like out of like oh, maybe they can be some. I remember the first time you asked me if the Knicks were like a, if they could be a top four team, and at that time they were like barely like in in the conversation for a play in team. They've gone nine and one since they they they've won eight straight games. This team is serious, man, and uh, I don't know if like come playoff time. It, I mean, you've seen it, Scott. Usually the teams that. The teams that win have multiple superstars, and I, I don't know if if the Knicks have that. I think they've got uh, a budding superstar in Brunson, and they've got a guy in in, in Ananobi that can 
like he's almost like a Draymond. Like he like he does all the dirty work and it's important, but I don't know if he's like a if he's one of the like if he can be the number two uh, uh, in your to your like the, if he can be the Robin to your Batman. I don't know if he's that uh, come playoff time. But right now, I, there's no doubt the Knicks are a serious threat. Like this is this team is nobody's going to overlook them anymore. That that includes the Celtics and the Bucks. They, the Knicks are going to be taken seriously by everyone going forward. Knicks have won 14 of their last 16 games. Man. They're currently 14 to 1. 14 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference. 35 to 1 to win the title. But 14 to 1 to win the Eastern Think Conference. Think about this. Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Heat all have higher better odds than the, the Knicks. Knicks have won 8 games in a row. The Pistons have won 6 games all year. <laughs> it's <laughs> insane. It's insane. I, I might sprinkle a little bit on that 14 to one to win the Eastern conference for the Knicks uh, elsewhere. Last night, the Hawks beat the Lakers. No Anthony Davis for LA Hawks win one thirty eight one twenty two. The Celtics top the Pacers one twenty nine one. That's an over. It was the Raptors over the Bulls. That isn't over Raptors over the Bulls one eighteen one oh seven. Taking a look at your schedule for tonight. The Bulls are at the Hornets. Chicago laying two and a half. Those Pistons <laughs> who have won just six games all year are at the Cavs. Cavs, another team that have gone nine and one in their last 10. Another team that's uh, playing really good ball right now going up against a, a Pistons team that is obviously a, a dead cat. Also, 12.5-point favorites, the Clippers at the Wizards. The Kings visit the Heat, Sacramento laying 1.5. Pelicans at the Rockets, New Orleans, 2.5-point favorites. Mavericks visit the Timberwolves, Minnesota, a 13.5-point favorite. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a matter of health because the Mavericks are not going to be the Dallas Mavericks uh, in, in today's game. This is uh, Tim McMahon from ESPN reports, Luka Doncic out with an ankle. Kyrie out with a thumb. Derek Lively out with a broken nose. Derek Jones with a wrist. Dante Exum with a knee. Both doubtful. This is this is basically the shell of the Dallas Mavericks on the road against the best team in the Western Conference. Uh, this thirteen and a half might not be enough in this thing. <laughs> Uh, Magic are at the Spurs, Orlando laying four and a half. Nuggets visit the Thunder, OKC one and a half point favorites. The Suns are at the Nets, Phoenix laying three and a half. And the Bucks visit the Blazers, Milwaukee, nine and a half point favorites. Plenty of top 25 action yesterday in college hoops, including a couple upsets where two teams in the top five fell including number five, Tennessee, dropping a home game, something you don't see happen very often. Tennessee goes down 63-59 to 59 to South Carolina. South Carolina playing some good ball, 18-3 and three now overall, 6-2 and two in the SEC. I imagine we'll see a number by South Carolina's name uh, next, next week when the polls come out. Number three, North Carolina also goes down 74-73 road loss at Georgia Tech. And this Georgia Tech team is fascinating. They are 3-7 and seven in conference play. Their three wins are against Duke, North Carolina, and at Clemson. So basically the three toughest games they've played, <laughs> they found a way to win. North Carolina, or Georgia Tech is not a good team, uh, but they are able to get the win at home court rush and all afterwards uh so a big day for the yellow jackets number nine marquette got an 85 80 win at villanova bucking the system 
Villanova was a one and a half point favorite against Marquette. Marquette got out to like a, I think a 32 to 13 lead, blew it all the way, let Villanova take a lead for one, uh, one possession. Marquette took the lead back, never looked back. They get an 85, 80 win. Number 14, Illinois, they go on the road and beat Ohio state 87, 75. We talk about the value of these big 10 road wins. That's a big one for Illinois. Scott, your sis, your favorite system did come through. Number 25, TCU gets a win, 85-78 over number 15, Texas Tech. The home frogs get the job done. Yeah, that's right. I, I said yesterday if there was one play in the overall system, it would be, I guess we could call it the sub-system. And the sub-system being the lower-ranked team, which is the higher number, uh, versus as a favorite against the higher-ranked team, the lower number, that is now nine and two straight up, eight and three ATS after the TCU winning cover. Yeah, number twenty-one Dayton gets an eighty-three sixty-one win over George Washington. The system fails again, though, with number twenty-three Oklahoma going on the road, getting a seventy-three fifty-three win at Kansas State, who just started out so slow, thirty-five nineteen in the first half. Teams played about even in the second half, but uh, too deep of a hole for Kansas State to dig out of. Kansas Jayhawks, number eight team in the country. They get an 83-54 win over Oklahoma State. Absolute thrashing. Number 17, Utah State, an 82-61 win hosting San Jose State. And my favorite play of the night was number 24, Colorado State, laying about a point and a half, two points uh, to San Diego State. And man, the home courts in the Mountain West continue to be a thing. 79-71 win for Colorado State. Taking a look at tonight's schedule, number two team in the country, Purdue, is at home against Northwestern. Purdue is a 13-point favorite. And remember, Purdue's first loss of the season came at Northwestern, 92-88. to So revenge on the mind of the Boilermakers. Number 24, Alabama, goes on the road. Oh, Alabama-Georgia matchup. Boy, football matchup here. Alabama, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite number 18 Baylor a two and a half point road favorite at Central Florida Central Florida the worst offensive team in the Big 12 number 10 Kentucky they are a five and a half point favorite at home against Florida those two teams played a really to a really close game in Gainesville uh not sure if if you know it'll travel for Florida but certainly they've proven that they can hang with the Wildcats. Number one team in the country, the Yukon Huskies. They are 12.5-point favorites at home against a hobbled Providence team. Number 16, Auburn, an 18.5-point favorite hosting Vanderbilt, who is 0-6 in conference play. And the New Mexico Lobos, they're at home. You know what that means. They are a big favorite. The Lobos, nine-point favorites hosting Boise State. Just two games in the NHL last night, both of them low scoring. So if you had the grand salami under, not much of a sweat. Blue Jackets beat the Blues 1-0. The Sharks blanked the Kraken 2-0. Just three games on the schedule tonight as the NHL gets ready for All-Star festivities this weekend in Toronto. Senators are at the Red Wings. Detroit a minus 125 favorite. Kings at the Predators. LA minus 120. Sharks visit the Ducks. Anaheim minus 175 uh, coming up tomorrow we'll do a little bit of a preview I guess tomorrow or uh, Friday morning we'll do a little bit of a preview of the revamped skills 
competition. Uh, we know that the Islanders, Matthew Barzal, will take place, uh, will take the place of the injured Jack Hughes of the Devils in this revamped event. It is a, a million dollar competition, basically. All these guys are going to um, participate in a multitude of events. I'll explain it all once we get the odds up and things and places where you guys can bet that likely offshore. But we'll uh, we'll discuss that as we get closer and closer to this weekend. Got some new promo codes for you at pregame.com. An opportunity to save some money as we get ready for Super Bowl 58. We're giving you $15 off of anything at pregame.com. We'll start with Chiefs. Let's go Chiefs 15. Use that promo code at pregame.com and save $15 off of any purchase. Again, Chiefs 15. Save $15 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and our guest, Alex Gold, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Amen.